If you ever are gonna wonder and think, think big. Plus, 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 know you like water to sink. Considered one of the online poker founded fathers, can be found at ACR in San Antonio at Rounders. Yo, what kind of trick they thought Nick Clobbity couldn't spit? When I hop on, the intro was popping. That's it, that's it. Speaking of squeezing faces, put this next one in your pockets. Our next guest wipes his ass with popping Our next guest tells the pros to go back to basics. Don't let the face fool you, he is a shark, Nana. Shout out, shout out to the family, newly nudes and Hannah. Some may say your next bitch is the Storm, storm the past the others, out, out does the rest. It's your own chest. Plus, ain't getting through. Give it up, give it up, give it up for Bet on Drew. I don't do it. I don't think that can ever be topped. A double rap intro battle. Pretty epic. I'm ready to uh, sit down and kick it with the boys. Drew was good. Tony was good. What up, boss? Chilling, chilling. Drew. Uh, oh, yeah, the 3500s at Hard Rock. Oh, okay. Yeah, I originally wasn't going to play it unless I sat in. And one of my boys, like, bought half. So, like, I was like, all right, cool. Drew, I met um Ryan the other day. Ryan is cool as fuck. Yeah, he is. Ryan's funny. Yeah, he may take, like, right now, you're, like, my favorite... I'm not gonna say stormer. I'm just gonna say online personality. But you're yeah. like number one. Number two was party because he's cool as fuck and his girl's beautiful and she's cool as fuck. But I think Ryan's taking second place from John. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. I'm gonna tell him that. They're, they're gonna <laughs> they'll appreciate, they'll appreciate that. Uh, so what did you guys just? You were playing together, or you uh, ran into him while you were just at Borgata? We're, yeah. at the same, we're at the same table. My bad. I'm like eating this shitty Taco Bell burrito that I fell asleep and woke up yeah. and was like, right, this is clutch because I don't have time to get breakfast. Like, we're at the yeah. same table for like two hours. Oh, okay, cool. Who, uh, DePaulo? Yeah. Like, yeah, I was at his table. He took me out with quad aces. Got him. Yeah. What, what is crazier, though, is that I think he had uh, pocket aces a few hands before. I posted this hand where there's just like this uh, this big misunderstanding. Basically, what happened is I think Ryan DePaulo was under the gun and he had pocket aces. He didn't end up showing, but I think he had aces or a big hand because before the deal is over, like before the dealer has given everybody their cards, he bets, right? So either, you know, it's bluffing or, you know, he's got a good hand. So before the dealer finishes the cards, he flips the card over. Then he flips the next card over by accident. So people think it's a misdeal. So everybody starts taking their cards and mucking them. But Ryan DePaulo already bet. He's like, no, I, you know, I, you know, I bet already. And so, um, so basically the hand so now the, there's a bunch of muck cards there and the dealer doesn't hear ryan and doesn't see the bet and he starts taking the muck cards and adding them to the live deck mm -hmm. and so there's all these you know the deck is compromised at this point but everybody's like no ryan bet the deal has to go on so i don't know if it was like a miscommunication between the dealer because the dealer was like an old asian guy i don't know how much english he really knew but um <laughs> yeah so this hand went on it got to the river and Ryan jammed on this guy and left this guy with like no chips. Then mm -hmm. the guy hauled the floor over and explained the whole situation, but it was just, it was a shit show. They'll be good for <laughs> I mean, Borgata in general, everybody was saying was kind of a shit show. Like just the skip, the power, yeah. like about like 9% of the field and stuff like that. It was just, I don't know. Chip Damien didn't have any problem with it. <laughs> nah, it worked out. All right, let's get to it. All right, I'm going to attempt to do an intro here. <laughs> Tony, you want to do, do two intros, Tony? Uh, why, you got one too? Yeah, I wrote one. Oh, you did? I I wouldn't have wrote one if you did. All right, I'll do mine, you do yours, and then maybe I'll mix them together. Let's Smooth. go. All right. All right. Can y'all see me? Nah, we just see the poker in life. Stop trying to hide, Tony. It's your what? time to shine. Come on, 8 Mile. Can you see me now? 
Yep, we could see you. Okay. <laughs> this is your time to shine, Miles. Yo, it's kind of sick. They thought McFloppity couldn't spit. When I hop on, the intro was popping. That's it. Speaking of squeezing faces, put this next one in your playlist. Our next guest wipes his ass with pocket aces. <laughs> Our next guest tells the pros to go back to basics. Nah, our next guest is humble, and that's why he's famous. Some may say our next guest is the best. Storming past the others outdoes the rest. ACR hmm. test, your bluffs ain't getting through. Give it up, give it up, give it up for Bet on Drew. Bet on Drew, All right, Tony. I think we're going to have to have people vote on this one. We might have to do a rap battle for every guest. So I'm going to just jump on here. You got a little swag at the end, Tony. You definitely got a little rapper swag. But all right, so I'm going to jump into it. If you ever are going to wonder and think, always think Bink. Flushing on you like water in a sink. Considered one of the online poker founding fathers. Could be found at ACR in San Antonio at Rounders. Smoother than the Stefan version of Urkel. Made me even wonder and consider, hmm, should I do my hair blue or purple? My guy's been streaming online since 2015. Back in the day, no beard, but always looking dapper and clean. Don't let the face fool you. He is a shark getting boats on you all day and all dark. Always good energy. Legend has it. He may even sell mana. Shout out to the family nudes and Hannah. Till this day, I'm still trying to win his flip game. If you can't tell by now, let's scream his name. When I say Drew, you say crew. Drew. Crew. Drew. Crew. Tony, you're supposed to say crew? I say crew. <laughs> go all right thank you guys for the remix all right but we are gonna give it up for our legendary guy bet on drew let's give it up for drew so drew you are the first guest to ever get two intros man how does it feel to be on the podcast and like how are you right now man i i don't know how that that intro that's i don't think that can ever be topped a double rap intro battle right yeah. with of Hannah and the nudes and all the OG stuff. That's that's uh, pretty epic. I'm ready to uh, sit down and kick it with the boys. Let's go. Nope, definitely. Uh, we like to do it just a laid back style, the same way you would like on break. Like I think one thing about just overall tournament players is like we have a little community. Um, I know I've been a part of your community way back since the days of like Dance and Nancy. And I know Tony's been a part of the community as well. So we definitely like to do our podcast, like just think of it like a 15 minute break or um, a break during a tournament where you're just talking a little bit of shit and just getting to know each other. So for anyone that may not be familiar with you, Drew, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and who is the Drew Crew? So, I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania and went to high school, Carbondale area. And a lot of people just really won't know where that is. I graduated like maybe 113 in my uh, senior class. And then, uh, yeah, I found out about poker, Moneymaker Effect 2003. Yeah, check this out. So actually, this is funny. I, I, I was one of those dudes, man. I was on the internet with my girlfriend who was at another college. And I remember I was in the back on like AOL Instant Messenger with her in, my, <laughs> in, in the room. And I came out one day, the TV was on, I got bottle caps thrown all over the kitchen table. And then I look at the TV and it's the 2003 World Series of Poker. They got Moneymaker on there and mm -hmm. they found out about poker. And I was like, gosh, what are these guys up to now? Because they were always into something, you know, they were all single and just doing their thing. I came out, I was like, oh, what's up here? And then that was like the first moment of, oh, poker, okay. And from there, basically, I started streaming 2015 and got partnered on Twitch 2016. 2019, did the Bill Perkins Thirst Lounge Project, went away to the uh, Caribbean for a year, got this crazy bankroll and got to meet all these people. And that's that's a story or a movie in itself, but that propelled me to then ACR Team Pro 2021. And now we're just out here, man, living the dream, traveling, meeting people and doing podcasts with the boys. You know, life, life is good, man, can't complain. There we go. Good energy, man. I I, I love the story because I think like um, 
a lot of us kind of got into it in a similar fashion. For me, it was, um, and Tony, I'll let you share how you get into it as well so Drew can know the story, but right there with you, Drew, like me just graduated high school. I graduated high school in 04, so I don't want to show my age too much, but same thing. I've never played before. We go on vacation um, in Florida, just like a guide trip. Nothing on TV. We didn't think you got to be 21 to go out clubbing. So we're like 18 years old, nothing to do, chilling in the hotel room in 04, 05. And that's exactly how we started as well. Moneymaker was on TV. We got a deck of cards and kind of like that's how we started. And that's how I got into it. Uh, but Tony, how'd you kind of get into poke? What was your first like? Um, similar. I mean, really, I guess my father used to play poker a lot. So I, I would see him playing poker at you know, like, uh, like the cook family cookouts and stuff. But I, I would play a little bit in high school. We used to play a uh, five part draw in high school for, you know, like dollars at lunch and stuff. It wasn't anything big. Um, but my father had this book. It was, uh, the first super system. And I, I remember he never even read the thing. <laughs> he just bought this book. <laughs> it was just sitting on the shelf. And, um, I think I opened it one day when I was like younger and I was like, oh, he's got a poker book, but it was just always sitting on this bookshelf. And so when I went to college, I, uh, I remembered this book and I was like, I think my dad had this big ass poker book. And so I, I went home and I, and I just basically stole it. He didn't even know I had it for like a year or so. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. I um, started reading Super System in college, and, you know, I thought this was like the Bible. I mean, people did call it like the Bible of poker. And so I, I know other people weren't reading this. And, you know, in college, that's all you, you know, they teach you how to study, right? So I was taking all these engineering courses and stuff like that. And on the side, I was taking poker courses, you know, reading this book. And um, then, you know, fast forward to 2019, I won two big tournaments after college, um, at Foxwoods back to back for about 50 grand each. And um, yeah, here we are still chasing the dream. Hell yeah. yeah. And even for that, I was going to say too, because Tony talked about like, you know, the book, like one of the first books I've ever read was Kill Everyone. And like that transitioned me from like cash to like just being fond of poker um, tournaments as a whole. So how'd you like get into tournaments? Like where was it always tournaments for you, Drew? Or did you kind of start off with cash? Like how'd you make that transition to just say, hey, tournaments my lane? Uh, it pretty much started off tournaments. That uh, that very first day that I played poker with the beer, uh, we were playing with uh, beer bottle caps on the kitchen table, and we were trying to emulate what we saw on TV. So uh, we were playing a tournament, but at the time we didn't know that you were supposed to raise the blinds. So the game like never ended, and then at one point we're like, so how do how do we stop the game? How do we know who wins? Like when is it over? And uh, yeah, so eventually we're just like, okay, whatever, we're done, let's go to the bar, right? <laughs> but uh, cash games didn't really start for me until like probably a year or so later, but th the majority it was just we're sitting down for a like nine to 11 person sit and go in college. And actually it's funny, uh, Tony, my first poker book ever was Super Systems 2. It was at a college buddy's house who was running a $20 uh, multi-table tournament. And I remember my blood would get pumping because I'd have to, I don't have 20 bucks then, right? So like putting up 20 bucks and and actually maybe I brought like 40 to 60, but I'm like, yo, uh, can I borrow like 20 bucks, man? I'm gonna go play this tournament, whatever I get, you know? Yeah. Because it was big time, right? And <laughs> that that actually that twenty dollar multi table tournament because it was sit and goes until heat until my basketball buddy Rob told me about. It. He's like, yo, you should come by the house. We play this tournament, and I remember that was the one. that was like, okay, I like these big field tournaments. I like the idea of big money up top, and it's really never left me. Like the only time I play cash these days is if I'm killing time after a tournament. Uh, even though I want to play more, like I've been playing some live streams and I enjoy that. Live streams are fun. It gets the blood pumping a little bit more. You know, you make a mistake. People can see it like that doesn't bother me as much anymore. And now I kind of just like the hype of like cool, big moments that people can watch, you know, the content creator in me. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's 
it'll never really change, I don't think. I just always am wanting to play tournaments and Max Payne, Max Payne. Yep. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you sacrifice or like, I don't want to say sacrifice. Do you ever feel like content creation comes before poker sometimes? That's a really good question. And there is, sacrifice is probably the best word, honestly. There's 100% a sacrifice because I'm just doing more things now, you know, you know, and it's like, if I have my phone and when I was making my YouTube vlogs, long form content, it's like after a hand is over, I can't just fully absorb what happened because now I need to take notes for the vlog, what was stacks, uh, what did they do, or I need to like step away from the table and make a voice note. Right. So the form content took away more than what I'm doing these days, which is a bit more of the short form. Typically the content I'm making now at the live table is just, I'm all in, here's what happened, and that's it. So it's easier. But even playing online, like when I stream my online games, it takes away, like if I wasn't streaming, I could six to eight table. But when I am streaming the production, the talking with the chat, all of that, for me equals about two, three tables. So when I'm playing stream, I'm only playing six tables and I can't really go over that or I will lose the other parts of you know the stream. So right. it's a tough balance, but it's, a sacrifice that I am willing to make and very at peace with making. I know I'm giving it up, but I also know that over the years I found ways to re re recoup some of what I lose. Yeah, and I I mean I mean you're crushing still, right? I mean you're crushing live events while doing content. So I mean it's it's freaking awesome. Like what was the last you went deep in? Did you win something recently? I uh, made day four of the WPT 10K in December. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah. Gosh, that was sick, man. Looking at the first place prize, six million. You know, when, when you get down to less than 100 people, it's day four and 10K buy-in and you're just seeing all the legends still in the field. And at one point in day four, I had like, jeez, uh, I, I had like 30 plus blinds. I was like in a night situation. And you know, you start to think like, oh, okay. Yeah, this can happen, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, we fizzled out in uh, 70 second for just under uh, 70. No, that's awesome. That's freaking yeah. awesome. I was gonna say, I know 70 is up there. Um, I know I ran deep with you um, for the mystery bounty before, but last year you had some pretty big binds. I think last year you even had like a 25K at the Triton which was like i want to hear about that going into like a 25k like i watched um just a recap on it but like the night before the morning before like what's going through your mind like how do you prep for your biggest buying ever and did you even have nerves settling in or you just try to just focus on the tournament treat it like any other tournament yeah the triton series that i got to play was pretty it was nerve-wracking a little bit getting there and going and thinking about it and kind of the workup like oh man this is sick i'm going to play with the elites and the high rollers in this very exclusive uh it almost feels like a private setting even though anyone you know can go and buy in and play them if you just got like mad money like that but the morning of the very first triton event 25k gg millions i kind of tried to treat it the same. I got up, I, I, I stretched, you know what I mean? I got my blood flowing and I kind of went into it pretty normal as if I was about to hop on ACR and play my, you know, $33 uh, tournaments or, or whatever, because really it was kind of unreal. I almost couldn't feel it. It's like too big of a, a, a jump, a buy-in. It's like, I could see how people would get nervous, but it was literally, okay, so here's your normal comfort zone. And then here's like, oh, okay, the blood's pumping. I'm playing like a WPT 10K, but then you go to Triton. I was like, this is just above my like understanding. It was kind of unreal. If anything, I was nervous for that moment of like winning my first pot, which is kind of normal for me. But once I, the first big pot I won, I flopped two pair blind versus blind and got it in versus an over pair and held. Mm. Uh, 
and doubled up. I remember that early in the 25K. And then my my nerves calmed. I was like, okay, look, I did not bust my first all in. I just doubled up. I've got plenty of chips. And it settled. It settled quick because, again, it was just like, man, that's not even real life, right? Like, I just put up 25K to play this tournament. I'm going to play it and play another one. It's like, it's not real. It doesn't, it doesn't hit, you know? Yeah. Sure. And I was going to say, you definitely went in like a pro. I seen you had like the custom suit. You did a little like sightseeing. Like, you are literally living the dream. And I think that's why, and I can speak for myself, like I've been taking it more serious in the last year, but I feel like it's easy for people to live through you. Like, I feel you have that genuine excitement. You have that genuine personality. Like, I feel like you make it so anyone could feel that they'll have that opportunity and you just have that overall gratitude and appreciation. And I think that really sets you apart from like a lot of streamers out there. So one of the questions I had before I um, hand it over to Tony, since we're on the topic of just seeing everything feeling like surreal and just being magical. I mean, I think like in poker, you go through different stages where your first tournament or for anyone's first tournament, I was excited about a 300. Then now it's like a 500. Then it's like, holy crap, a 1K. Now it's like a 3K. I don't know. There's so many different things you could do with that. So I'm just curious for you, two different things. The first one is like, I consider you as one of like the founding fathers of streaming online. Um, so was there anyone that inspired you to stream while you were coming up? And what was the first real tournament that made you a little bit nervous before the Triton when you first started your live career? Uh, first, I want to say thanks for, I mean, just the energy and the compliments to even think that I'm some sort of an OG is like really, really, uh, I don't even know the word. I don't even know the word for it, you know what I mean? Because I don't see, see it like that, but I'm glad people, I do hope that people receive my energy that way. I'm just trying to, have fun while we're here and you know share the stories and man i love that powder pink suit dude i, I love that powder <laughs> pink. right and i was ready i was ready for that one but uh 2014 i'm really typically bad with dates and but i happen to remember it was 2014 and i came across a pocket fives article that was talking about jason somerville streaming his online games and I read the article, I tuned it into his stream, and I was like, wow, this is cool. He's just going to show his cards. People are hanging out in chat. So that was my first introduction to streaming. And then I just, from Jason Somerville to Jamie Staples to Matt Staples, I watched all their streams. And for me, I'm the type of person, I really like creating things. So when I found out I could stream, I was like, oh, I could do this myself. It didn't, it didn't take long. And I, I had my stream up. I had no idea what was going on, but I was just like, I want to try to do this. And so that was the beginning of everything for me coming across that article, because that was a very weird time for me in 2014. I felt like my game was capped. I felt like I wasn't really going anywhere. I wasn't in the right circles. And it was frustrating until I found that. And then to answer your second question, my first tournament that really get, got my blood pumping was actually, it was another tournament that was kind of above my head. And I was fairly nervous at first, but then I kind of, it disappeared real fast. In 2019, when I was in the Thirst Lounge, the very first month, I went on a little bit of an upswing. I was up like maybe 11K playing online tournaments on party poker. Mm -hmm. I decided to, I was streaming and so some random person in the chat was like, Drew, there's a 1K satellite that's gonna overlay, you should play it. And I had just won a tournament the day before. And I was like, ah, for the story, whatever, I'm gonna jump into this 1K saddie bill and uh, Lara were coming to the, flying back into the islands that day, along with a couple of other of the uh, Thirst Sound shows. I was like, oh, this would be cool, man. Whatever, I'll play the satellite and then everyone will be here later. We'll hang out, it'll be great. So I played this satellite, never played a thousand dollar buying satellite before, just did it, ended up winning it. Which, Let's go. Yeah, it was a satellite into a 10K buy-in, which I've never played a 10K. My average buy-in up to that point was like 20 bucks. And then one satellite, I was like, oh, sick. Thank you, random Twitch viewer who like, uh, I, 
buy-in. So it was great. I was like, all right, sick. I remember I won the satellite and I was like, okay, I'm going to sell some action. I'm going to put it up on Twitter. It's going to be an awesome stream on Sunday. I'm going to play this 10K. And then I still had three games up and then a table pops up and it was the 10K. It was a direct entry satellite into the oh, 10K. Shit. <laughs> and Party Poker had a random a, a random 10K running on a Thursday. It was a Thursday. So I, I, I didn't think anything of it. So, boom, just like that, I'm playing a 10K buy-in on stream. It got real, real fast for you, Drew. Literally, you didn't even get a chance to let it sink in. No. see the expression on your face when the table pops up. Like, we've all registered free rolls or just, like, random bullshit tournaments before, but never a random 10K popping up. I'd Like, I would love to see your facial expression. We probably got to go see if we can find that. It's <laughs> As long as the Thirst Lounge uh, Twitch VODs are, are still... Actually, I don't know if they would have saved from that long ago, but it, it did happen on stream. So it, we might have video of it somewhere. But yeah, it was a crazy moment. I played my first 1K Saddie. I'm thrown into the 10K buy-in with literally the be- the only people playing 10Ks on a Thursday on Party Poker, like legends, right? <laughs> the sharks at that, eh? Yeah, it was... Uh, Gosh, man, that was crazy. <laughs> How'd okay. you do? Yeah, yeah. I ended up final tabling it. What? Yeah. It, again, another like crazy story. So I'm in, I'm playing, and it's another one of those moments where at first I was nervous because I wasn't ready. But then it's like I went from playing a average buy-in of 20-some bucks, whatever, and then now I'm in a 10K buy-in. So it was a, a bit above my head again. But, uh, yeah, I forget how many people were in it, but I ended up making the final table. It was playing for 300K, and I went in a little bit shorter. I ended up getting in ace-jack, eight-handed, in versus queen-10, and I would bust there in eighth for 41 275 which we do have a video of this day uh, because we were we were filming for the Thirst Sound. It's on my uh, YouTube channel. It's also on the Thirst Sound YouTube channel. But yeah, that was my 2019 new high score, 41K. And Bill Bill and Lara were in the video as well because they had uh, flown in. So they were in the back on the couch watching. And I won a 20K bankroll boost from Bill because there were some like side challenges within the Thirst Lounge. I remember. 5K bankroll boost, 5K bankroll boost. And if you could maintain for two hours, 4,000 concurrent viewers on, on the Thirst Lounge Twitch channel, you get a 20K bankroll boost. And what do you know? If you like satellite into a 10K, people will watch that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what, uh, a, I was going to say, that's a crazy story. Um, but big shout out to like Jay Carver. So like shout out to Jason Somerville. Like, I mean, he literally inspired you. Um, I don't remember much from it. I definitely watched a couple of the Thirst Lounge like episodes and stuff, but I was like so, so long ago, but it's definitely good to probably go back and revisit it. But like, I just love hearing that story because at the end of the day, it feels like almost like the moneymaker story, but of you as a, as a Twitch streamer, where it yeah. started off with just like a small bankroll with like a success satellite that led to like the opportunity for the Thirst Lounge. So like leading to you where you are today being like an ACR pro. So Tony, I'll hand it over to you to transition to you. Um, So Drew's freaking crushing it. He's freaking answering all my questions that I have here. So I guess one of the questions I was going to ask is um, how many, well, first I was going to transition into this and ask you uh, what was your biggest uh, live, uh, sorry, online buy-in. So I'm guessing it's the, this 10K. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess it counts even though you satellite into it. But I wanted to also ask you, how many Venoms have you played in? And like, what is the difference between, like, w- what advice would you give people that played in the Venom for their first time? So the Venom is a different beast as well. Even though it's not a 10K, it's a $2,600 buy-in online. So it's it's chunky and it's not something that a lot of people get to play, including myself. Like I don't play when I'm online. I'll play up to two fifteens, but I'm not playing the six hundreds regularly or the one Ks even at, even at this point. But the twenty six hundred Venom is similar to what I'd say is like 
the 10K WSOP main event, there are a lot of casual players because ACR runs a ton of satellites and giveaways to get into it. So it is the softest 2600 that you can play and you could win life-changing money, right? From wherever you're at. You don't need to be somebody that travels out to Vegas in the summer, has 10K and plays it. Like everyone can compete for, you know, that moment, that big moment online. And I think the way to prepare for it for new people is you just got to kind of have fun with it. Because I remember when I played, oh, this is funny, but way back in the day, I remember when I played my first Sunday Million on PokerStars. Uh, it might have even been a 109 at that time. But I remember I played it and whenever anybody would raise me, I just thought they were trying to attack me, right? I don't know if you guys connect with that feeling of when you step up in stakes, you just for some reason assume everyone's better than you. It's like, oh, he's putting pressure on me. He's doing this, he's doing that. And your brain just runs wild. And I can remember my first couple of times playing the Sunday Million when I was, I was just being like a station. You raised me, I call. <laughs> You know, I have Ace King, I missed, I'll check, you bet, I'm calling all the way down. And then 15 minutes later, when I'm busted, I'm like, dang, what happened? <laughs> and, where did it go wrong? Like, are these guys that much better than me? Should I be folding more? Should I be playing tight? And it's just this whirlwind of emotions and thoughts. So going into the Venom, what I now would suggest to new players is just play your game. Don't think anyone's doing anything you know if you're a tight player play your tight aggressive strategy if you're a loose player you like applying pressure you're comfortable that's how you enjoy playing the game do that because there's going to be more venoms and what newer players need to do is build up experience and kind of gain comfortability in these bigger tournaments and then the more and more you play you will get better don't get in your head and don't try to make any like huge adjustments like, oh, wow, I just satellite into the Venom. I'm going to go pay for a coach right now for the Venom tomorrow. <laughs> Those adjustments just take time to implement into your game and you'll just kind of be off balance. And that all goes back to just like have fun with it, enjoy the experience and, you know, let be what will be. Right. How many of you, how many have you played in? I've been playing them since the Thirds Lounge in 2019, so there's like four a year. Wow, Is there, wow. I thought it was two a year. Yeah, there's two regular Venoms a year and then two PKO Venoms. Oh. Yeah, so I've played in at least like, I guess, somewhere in between like 15 and 20, that range. Gotcha. Okay deep runs in any of them before the last summer wsop just last year i made day three in the venom i finished like 21st or 22nd or yeah final three tables somewhere for like 25k or something it was like mid 20-ish that's in that one or uh yeah i had i had uh bounties maybe Maybe it was around 10K in bounties or something. Jeez, that's probably fun as hell, Drew. And one of the things that you said earlier, which like I could attest, like recently I just had my biggest live score and like having Tony on the rail and having like my boys on the rail, like having a crew with you definitely makes like a huge difference. And I think earlier you mentioned too, like having the support of people around you, like also into it and like, I've been there with you at Lodge and like Ebony came when you were deep and I've been there when you were at Rounders and we had like a big crew and I was there like supporting you as well. Like I think people don't really realize like just having like someone to talk to about hands or just someone to just like be there on the rail with you um, to discuss hands. I think like that's amazing and it helps you get better. So I'm curious for you, right? Knowing that you have like a huge network of people around you. Who's like your number one? And I don't want to get anyone upset, but who are like the top two people you discuss hand histories with? Like after, like on break or like after a tournament? Like who do you discuss spots with? Because I feel you have a plethora of people you could go to. I go to Tony or I go to like a group chat, but who do you go to? Do you go to Hannah? Uh, so Hannah and I definitely always talk about hands because we'll be 
in the car or wherever and you know you just kind of talk about it and then you know we get past the emotional stuff because we can be more like talk about bad beat complain like you kind of need that a little bit you don't want to put that energy out necessarily to other people but you we kind of do need that emotional release even though we don't want to be telling bad beat stories so we will emotionally poke a release to each other and then we'll review or look at it or I'll pull up a sim and be like oh honey look this this gosh I shouldn't I shouldn't have led here it's like ah uh, there's no there's no calling here we just fold versus population or whatever like we'll talk a lot about that but then if I want to get a little bit more I reach out to a uh, little boys chat that like Boski Guru Jay Pards uh Long Car that they're all in this group chat uh one of them that we have and we'll pick each other's brains and stuff like that throw this out there and kind of try to get better so that's that's kind of the main two outlets that I have these days because back in the day we didn't have GTA Wizard we didn't have uh Pio that you could just run so I will a lot of the time just like run it see what it says and then adjust accordingly based on how I think that the majority of people play because the sims are just give you an idea the fun part I feel like about running sims is figuring out how to deviate from them and not do what they say yep uh, um, I do definitely, but I do like. Um, I just kind of wanted to re-ramble, re-say what you just said. I do like what you said about the emotional release from poker. Like, I feel like a lot of people say, you know, like I don't want to hear your bad beat stories or whatever. But that's just because they've been there so many times. But I think it is important to have that release somehow, right? Like, if you don't release that anger or that, you know, you know, feeling that you have about how you play it or how somebody played, it's just going to be pent up inside you right so yeah. i think having that person that you can talk to those bad beats about is is key for sure um that's a that's a that's a great point 100 i think that's a huge takeaway for people yeah i'd even share like my experience with tony i feel like when i get a bad beat i felt like i quit poker like 12 times last year and like I'll just tell Tony and I'll just like show him the video and and he'll just laugh it off like damn that sucks and then he'll let me vent and then he'll just text me the next day, what are you doing? I'm like, all right, I'm playing online. He's like, I knew you were gonna be back. So yeah, I definitely think you, you need a vent and sometimes you don't even really need a response. You just need to speak to someone about it and then for them to just give you like, damn, that sucks, like tough spot. And you don't even need a response. And I feel like Tony has really helped me for that too. So shout out to you, Tony. Cause like, even for the podcast, Poker Ain't Life, like that's a little bit of like how this came into fruition a year ago. So this is like our one year anniversary uh, stream with you, Drew. Whereas like, I quit so many times and what really helped me, and I'm curious for you, but like when I record, it helps me think better when I'm like recording. I, I don't stream just yet, but when I'm recording at 20 seconds, I'm like, here's why I'm doing it. Here's why. Like, I really think that helps me play better because now I'm not just doing things to do it. I'm literally recording a video, thinking it through. And sometimes while thinking, I'm like, all right, delete the video. I'm not going to do that because that doesn't make sense. So do you think when you stream, it makes you better knowing that you have all those eyes on you or that you're thinking your thought process out loud? Like, do you think you play better on stream because of that? Or you think it's pretty consistent both live and online? Because I know for me, it definitely makes a difference when I record. I actually think that that is a hack. That is a hack speaking out loud to yourself, uh, not only for poker, but for life like I i'll tell you so with the streaming for sure because uh, for the content i want to put out it is definitely educational people say they learn from me when i'm streaming online because i'm talking through my actions why i'm doing what i'm doing but i also try to tone it down a little bit so it's consumable by the variety of level of players that watch my stream uh but then also there was a stream that i played on at uh champions here, here in Houston like two days ago, but there was multiple spots where I'm on the river with a big decision and I start talking out loud. Not only to try to get some information from the other player, but also to hear what I'm thinking. And this goes to my point of 
this being a life hack, I remember that I was going through a rough relationship in 2017 or 2016. And I didn't, I wasn't, I, I was streaming, but I didn't really have anyone that understood poker. I had very few like close poker friends. I was just doing my streaming thing and, and grinding. But I remember there was one day I was really frustrated. I had some stuff going on with my girl and poker wasn't going good. And I, my brain was cluttered. And I remember I went for a walk uh, out of our neighborhood and there, it like walked into these like this woodsy area. And I was so frustrated and I started to talk out loud to myself. I was like, oh man, I'm a crazy person. Like I have reached that point, uh, you know, where you see, you, I think when people see people, like if they're walking down the street, they're talking out loud to themselves, you know, maybe that's the first subconscious thing we think, but I was doing it. And you know what happened? It's like, we have so many thoughts going in our head that until we speak them out loud and actually hear what we're thinking, you don't realize how stupid some things could sound or how amazing some things could sound. So I started on that walk, I remember, I started talking out loud about everything. And I'm like, oh man, I'm frustrated about this. It's like, oh, this is stupid. This should be this, this should be that. And I was so able to sort through and hear what made sense and what didn't that after that walk, I came back and I literally felt like I found the biggest life hack ever because we just can't sort through our thoughts in our head because they're just battling other thoughts. So by in poker, uh, when I'm streaming online, 100% it helps me because I hear what I'm saying. Uh, playing live on a big spot in the river, I'm talking it out. Well, why would you? Why would you bet the? Why would you donk lead turn and river here uh, when the nuts come in and it's a very sketchy board? It's like I don't get it. Even if it's just very raw and it's not formulated thoughts, you you separate the good thoughts from the bad thoughts, and it is so so powerful, man. So. Yeah, poker ain't life. Like, th take this, poker, and outside of poker, if you be that crazy person, just talk outside of your head, you have no idea what type of stuff we'll uncover and what type of peace you can find just hearing what you're thinking. Yeah. I like, I like it. I do. Um, so, we were, we're look we were looking for another hack from you. We're trying to figure out where we should put our money. And this <laughs> This day and age, we've seen that you've been crushing all these live events. So we're, we're trying to figure out, I was talking to Damien the other day after he won all that money. And I was like, are you going to invest it? Or like, what are you going to do? And I, I've just been thinking, like, I, my mother told me a little while ago that like in 2008 or something, everybody like lost our 401ks and the stock market went down. So I'm just wondering, like, do you think about stuff like that when you're like, when you win these this money, like some, some new person that just wins their first poker tournament what do you what, what would you tell them to do with their money so one thing i think that is important is to i remember when i first started winning decent money from poker it was all just about the grind you know okay i'm gonna keep grinding i'm gonna keep making money keep going 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 one thing i forgot to do was pay myself and enjoy and but but consciously not just be negligent with money because I have more of it but take some money put it to the side like enjoy the moment right take a couple days off after a nice win go get a nice dinner you know buy your significant other or something but you know budget it be like okay I won uh, 50k here I'm gonna take aside 5k you know what I mean? Uh, for me, like with the WPT win that uh, it just happened after that, Han and I went. It was like, okay, we're gonna degen like 5K here. All right, we're gonna play some slots. We're gonna get some nice dinner. You know, we're gonna buy noodles, a bunch of toys, and and raw hides and all that, and kind of be at peace. Like, okay, I'm investing in this. I'm paying myself and. I actually really think that that's important because it's too easy to just get caught up in the grind and not enjoy the moment. Because guess what? After you have a nice tournament score or, or a win, if you jump right back into playing, now you have that feeling of losing again. It's inevitable, right? Yeah. So I'd like to bask in that win moment because I think it gives us more energy for longevity. So yeah. that's one. 
I think that's important. And then as far as some other things to do with the money, like in today's day and age, like honestly me, I'm into the crypto and I like kind of putting some money here. It's like, oh, there's this new project here. It's like, you know, it's an investment, but I also know, you know, investments are gambling. Put some put some money aside for whatever taxes are, are needed. And now at this stage for me, I'm also starting to look at other little side hustles that I can do. You know, I'm looking at Airbnbs, I'm looking at like things even as small as like, I want to get some uh, vending machines. Where are some cool spots to like get a vending machine? or put up an ATM. I want to get some ATMs. Oh, there's no, oh, this would be a sick spot. You know, I'm thinking of all these little side plays that are like fun as I'm traveling to this city, this place, this place. And I follow a lot of like entrepreneur success things on like Instagram. And I see all these little things. It's like, oh, that would be cool. That would be cool. So I'm always trying to be a student of other things that I can do with the money because over the years, I just learned, you know, money comes, money goes, and it's so easy to just let it go. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, that was, that's two great answers for sure. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I guess I need some big wins before I decide I know what to do with them. But uh, yeah, I think that I think that we really should obviously, you know, enjoy the moment, like you said. But I think that got to invest somehow like you're investing in crypto I just feel like i don't know enough about the different cryptos and and now it's it's now that it's more coming to light it seems like the the banks and the government and everything are trying to you know dip and dabble in the crypto and you know they they have so much influence on the thing i really don't know what to go towards right like they can i think there was like this this big thing where like this guy that was interested in crypto told everybody not to 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 buy that coin because it was going to fail. And once they all sold their coins, the price dropped, he bought it all up. And now it's, you know, you know and so it's just like, I think I just need to do my research a little bit more, but they say like, you know, the, the regular stock market is good as well to invest. And in. I just, I don't know, man, I'm about to like get a safe in my house or dig a hole in the backyard somewhere. No, <laughs> you punted, punted on a couple of venom buyings. No, I'm joking. Oh, what? <laughs> Definitely I'm curious, won't. Drew. So, very similar to you. Like after my score, like I um, I just bought a whole bunch of stuff that I always wanted for the the like the apartment last year. I had like a ten to eight score. I bought like a couch, like little things like that. It's like I I'd always remember every time I go on the couch. I'm like, hey, this was my first like eight k live win, and it's that's like fifteen hundred dollar couch. But you remember it. So, is yeah. there any like? lavish or significant purchases for you like i just bought like a little um rumba the little robot it's 300 uh-huh. bucks but i'm like every time i see that i'm gonna remember like my borgata score so is there any like sentimental things whether like big or small that you got after one of your scores that you always remember that score and then the question goes for you as well tony yeah, so the first thing that actually comes to my mind, I don't have it anymore. I gave it away in a charity stream that I did. But I remember when I had that score in the third lounge, the 41K score, the 10K buy-in. Mm-hmm. First, like, splurge that I was like, oh, wow, this is definitely a splurge. I bought a VR machine for the house, for everybody in the house. And it was an early, uh, early model of the VR machine. So... We had to set up, I remember uh, Fat Train, uh, Justin Kelly, we had to set up these four like posts to set the VR area up in the room. And we had to like calibrate it and do all this other stuff before the Oculus, right? And I remember I was like, oh, wow, I bought this. And I was just like, hey, everybody, no, 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 this is for the house, right? Like, let's get it, let's, let's live a little. And I remember for that year, whenever we would play VR, and I would watch it, I was like, yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? Like that was fun and it was something that we could all enjoy. Uh, that That's actually my, my biggest one, my most fun one. And I mean, it was like 500 bucks, but I wasn't spending 500 bucks on anything, man. I went to the islands with a uh, hundred bucks in my account. I had to borrow money to go do that Bill Perkins thing. I was broke, broke. Damn, dude, you literally, I never knew that. I thought like you went probably with like a couple of thousand. You guys just like had the bankroll, just like keep track of everything. Um, 
Damn, that's nuts. But yeah, I'm sure you probably felt good like just seeing everyone use it. Uh, Tony, what about for you? What was like your lavish purchase or thing you always look back to after? And I know you had like a couple big scores, almost like back to back. Yeah, so I think I uh, I bought my girl a car right off the bat. She needed one. Well, so, <laughs> um, I guess that was later too. I guess yeah, and nothing really. And I was shy. I was broke back then, bro. I had to get on my house put a big down payment on this house for sure Man, i mean that's probably the best that you could do tony like from i look back at it and i wish i probably would have just stacked my savings more just like stacked the wins a little bit more i feel like for me where i'm at right now is like you never really realize like winner's tilt is a thing where i'm like i just fired six satellite binds in a 400 satty old me before a win would do one or two like nah it's not meant to be new me is like oh i'm good i'm meant to be here i'm to do this so like do you guys ever get winners till like after your big scores where you're probably playing a little bit higher or probably like aiming a little bit higher like i think for me the motivation is like i don't want to do a hundred dollar daily in a 5k prize pool anymore i don't want to do a 20 dollar buy-in for a two thousand dollar prize pool anymore so drew like do you ever get winners till anymore or has that ever happened to you after a big score man you know what i am i feel like i don't want to say no like it feels like it has has to have happened um but i I'm kind of a knit in in a sense. Like I'm okay with, you know, the the spin up, have a big score, reset to where I was because over the years I've I'm not like a high roller or anything. You know, my average buy-in even when I stream now is like uh, probably like fifty. You'd say because yeah. I see you in like thirty threes and then one oh nines and then you'll have the occasional like little turbo in there and. For me, like, I just lose that motivation to even want to play anything under 55. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually am fine with getting back to it because I know that I'm always going to have another shot at, like, a, a big score. Like, I, I can just, like, satellite. I'll play. I pick my spots well. Like, I play the 10K main event in the summer. I play the 10K WPT. And past that, I just, like, go back to what I was doing. Like... It feels definitely nitty. I feel like a lot of players will have a big score and then try to like run it up. And maybe I don't enough to an extent, like try to run it up. I would actually say that's more uh, maybe a spot where I could do, do better is maybe gamble a little bit more, but I'm kind of just like, I've had so many times where it's just like, ooh, big score. I just know it's gonna continue to come as long as I manage and I don't go broke. Do you get what I mean? So I'm very much, on the bankroll management side. And I know I could satellite into this. I know I could sell action if I want to play something special. So I don't like getting to that uncomfortable space, even though I will degen a little bit, that uncomfortable space will just make me play bad. I won't play my best. And I, I got to keep my mindset right. Like that's a huge, huge thing for me. Yeah, I agree too. I think, I think so to answer your question, Damien, uh, I guess not so much recently, cause I think I've, Drew kind of I'm learning kind of what Drew just said right so after I won all that money though in my first tournament I freaking hit the road I'm like I won $50,000 I'm the fucking best poker player ever so mm -hmm. I freaking put together a schedule of like 10 different stops I was traveling all over freaking went to like nine of the stops the last I've lost in all the stops I think I maybe min cashed one of them in New York um came so I probably maybe like 10 grand in cash as I just blew away. Then I came back to uh, Foxwoods like three months later after I, you know, made all those stops and end up winning again at Foxwoods. So it's like, you know, don't try to force things, just, you know, kind of go with the flow. And I think that now that, you know, well, obviously I'm studying a lot more and the game has changed a lot since 2019, but I think now we're, you know, we kind of put together a good schedule, Damon, for our, our area, at least. I mean, you're all over the place. But for me, I think like going to Borgata, hitting Turning Stone for the uh, ring events and then doing Vegas are like three stops a year. I think that's kind of like perfect for me, you know. Um, and if I just stick stick with those and keep keep winning these little bar tournaments, you know, I think I'll be fine.
Hell no, I'm Dale. I'm risk. I'm risking it all. I think it's a, I think it's a little bit different because like I have the nine to five like to rely on. So like I could legit go busto and be like, all right, tool two weeks, I'm okay again. Or like like I'm in sales, Drew. So like I hate quarterly bonus checks. So it's almost like a bankroll booster every three or four months. So it's like I'm never truly bust. So probably that's why like I take more risk. But for yeah. me, I'm a hundred percent Dale. It's like where's the vibes? Cool. All right, Drew's <laughs> gonna be here. Rounders. All right, shit. Nothing else is going on. Let me go Rounders. Cool. This is going on in Miami. Oh, who's going? All right, there. So I feel like I have a a, a lot of flexibility, which is a blessing. But I feel like the bankroll management, I definitely have to get more nitty about it. Like I literally will go from firing three, four grand online on a Sunday to being flat broke. And then the very next week spending $200 to run it up to a thousand. So I need <laughs> to just mentally just realize like it's a marathon, not a sprint. And although I do have like that cushion to not just keep firing, firing nonstop. But just thinking about traveling, Drew, um, I'm curious for you, where's like your favorite place to play and why? Like, I feel like you've been all over, you've been many places. So curious for you, favorite place to play and why? Hmm. I'm gonna, I feel like I want to leave out Vegas because it's such an obvious answer, but I have a lot of really good memories from Vegas and every, every summer, you know, everyone's out there. There's so many tournaments to play, not even just WSOP, but the win. Even I, I still love playing like at the Orleans, man. As yeah, long as they got a good little series, like little bankroll booster series. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. Like I, I will. The, okay, I'll say this: the Aria is my honeypot, man. Like people, <laughs> this, like six hundred dollars, seventy-five k that they run in the summer and everything. Their little mystery bounties, the Aria series. Every summer, I. I hope I don't jinx myself here, knock on wood, but like every summer I've chopped a tournament at the Aria for like five figures the last like three, four years, whatever, however long we've been doing, I've been going out there now. And so I've got just tons of great memories out there. There's so many tournaments for all different types of players to play. And uh, yeah, outside of Vegas, like, man, it's, it's tough to compete with Texas poker because right there with me. Yeah, they're just in the streets, man. They're, they're just there to, to gamble. It's not a casino. So when you show up to a poker club in Texas, they're there to play some cards. You, you know, they're there to gamble. Like, they, oh, I love the saying. I, I'm sure you know of it. But, you know, Texas heads up. Yeah, four way to the flop, five way to the flop. Texas heads up. Yeah. So I, I guess I guess I'll land on Texas. Good tournaments here. And uh, yeah, Vegas is great. But I look forward to it, man. I want to get get to uh, Korea in March. They're, they're d doing WPT out there. And Hannah hasn't been back to Korea in so long. And they're also doing Triton. So I'm trying to satellite February. After I get back from Houston here, all February, I'm focusing on uh, trying to satellite to play Triton in, because they're both in uh, Jeju Island in South Korea. At the same time, Triton, WPT. And that, that's like a dream to have both of them there. And I'm curious, Drew, um, I only speak English and a little bit of like Miami, like lingo Spanish. Do you even speak any other languages right now? Or working on <laughs> learning any other languages? I, I am. I'm actively trying to learn a little bit of Korean. I am going to look at... I've actually like reached out to a couple people on Instagram that I follow these like Korean teachers. They teach words. I've got like hundreds of like videos bookmarked that I'm like, okay, I still haven't found the time. I was like, I'm going to go through, I'm going to watch all my bookmarked stuff on Instagram and get better. But I, I like when we go to Costa Rica for ACR, I speak like a couple of like Spanish words. I'll brush up, but I could like little words here and there. But actually, one of my goals last year was to be able to go into a Korean supermarket and by myself and like just have a conversation like, oh, where's the broccoli? How much is it? Uh, you know, credit or cash. And I didn't hit that. But at Rounders, you know, the little coffee bar when you walk into Rounders on the left there, uh, Damien? Yep. There, 
a girl, one of the baristas, she likes to speak multiple languages. So whenever I see her, I say hi in Korean. And then I'll ask her, like, some coffee. Uh, can I have some coffee in Korean? So, like, she, she's, like, a fun little interaction that I'll speak the tiny bit of Korean with. And then I'll feel like a boss when I walk into the room. <laughs> <laughs> What's your, your ethnicity, Drew? Uh, I'm, like, a hybrid Filipino, like, Mexican mix. Like, if you see my mom, it's, like, straight Filipino, right? But then my dad is my biological father is like a light-skinned Mexican from like Waco, Texas. I, I I don't really remember him. I've seen the pictures, but that's kind of the mix. A lot of people kind of catch the Filipino with, with the, the flat little... nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. I get that. I get Spanish too a little bit. Yeah. Oh, they think you're Spanish, Tony? No, I said I get Oh, Drew. I'm about to say, who lied to you? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> A little Spanish knowledge, <laughs> but um, my mother is actually she's not even Spanish. She speaks full like she can speak Spanish, like full blown. Her uh, her father, her stepfather, lived in Puerto Rico all his life, so she was out there all the time. She learned how to speak Spanish fluently and everything. But uh, no, I'm Jamaican. <laughs> <laughs> I've been um, Jamaican. Oh yeah, yeah. Vacation uh, back in. Oh, that was one of my uh, poker. That was one of my poker spends. One of my paying myself. Went to an all-inclusive uh, vacation out to. Uh, oh my gosh, it was a new resort, Rio. Uh, Rio's it, really nice. It's yeah. actually on my list. They actually, um, it's it's funny you brought that up. So Tony, I was looking for that was looking for one of those swim up places rio has like um some rooms that has the water underneath where you could actually swim up to your room but like 3k drew i gotta like hold off on that one i can't do another lavish purchase how much was <laughs> the package how long did you stay and how much was that trip uh i i have a couple of stories if you guys want you, you tell me i'll tell you my jamaica stories but uh let's hear some of them okay so the trip at the time when we went, it was some discount because it was a, the resort was just opening up. So we got to go for like 700 a person. Uh, At all, it's cheap. Yeah, yeah, it was like super cheap. I was like, oh, okay, for sure. Like we're going, it was me, my girl, my buddy and his girl, we all went and so two things I kind of want to say. I, I, I can say whatever. We're in, it was in Jamaica, stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. You know. Okay, man, the sticky in Jamaica, <laughs> Bane. It was the craziest thing ever, man. Because this is like a funny story to me because I'd never, obviously, I'd never been there, and it, I never get to share this story. But so we walked into the resort, and then I go down the rooms. There was like a hallway, and then it split into two rooms. Uh, the full bar inside the room and everything. And the, the guy who like brought our luggage in, uh, he's like, do you want some? Some, some, some sticky, right? And I remember he came back and he just had a handful of stalks. Like literally he just like went outside, like cut some stuff down, brought it in and just like set it on the table. I was like, oh wow, that's a lot. <laughs> and anyway, it was the stickiest stuff ever. It was crazy. It was, it was a very, very fun experience. Jerk chicken, amazing. Ooh, uh, can't go wrong with good jerk chicken. No, it, it, it was amazing. But that wasn't even the. That was just like a little side note that I want to share with the boys. Uh, I got trapped in the bathroom, in in uh, at this resort. It was the one of the scariest moments of my life. So, the sticky, okay. And then we're gonna go out to the beach and eat at one of the buffets there. I, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a great day. We go to the buffet, we eat. All right, I'll meet you guys at the beach. I'm going to go run to the bathroom quick. And then I go into the bathroom. And for whatever reason, the stall is there. Concrete wall all the way up to the ceiling. Yep. Metal janitor door uh, with, like, no air pockets in it. And it was... So fuck, right, Drew, to take a poop? Too hot if you're taking a poop. No circulation, right? Exactly. Exactly, right? So I close the door. I'm in there doing my thing. And then I'm ready to get out and I can't get out. The door is jammed and there's no circulation coming in. Concrete walls to the ceiling. 
And uh, at this at this time back then, I had like a track phone with like no minutes on it, uh, no service, couldn't get out. I, I pulled. I'm trying to jimmy this door open. I pull out my my key, and it's this oversized large plastic thing on it, so they don't lose the key. So it doesn't fit in any door cracks, and it gets to the point, man, where I'm starting to like hyperventilate a little bit. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I have to actually scream for help right like you know that crazy moment like wow i have to do this and i was like (laughs) help me i'm in the bathroom you know screaming for help and oh man it was it was so insane and then finally this uh lady comes through and she opens the door she's got her little butter knife there I'm like, oh my gosh, you, you saved my life. I like, I could breathe again. I could smell air and I could see light. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. That's the second time this has happened today. Oh my God. She had the butter knife ready. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? How do you not fix it after the first time? I just had one of the scariest moments of my life. I thought I was going to die in this bathroom. Oh man. That's crazy. Yeah, that wouldn't have been a legendary way to go out, Drew. Just like suffocate, literally, like <laughs> in, in one of those like. Well, that one was outdoors, right? Yeah, was yeah, it? yeah. All right, yeah. So that's like the true Jamaican fashion to have like the they call it the outdoor pit, where it's mm-hmm. just like the bathroom is like a makeshift bathroom outdoors. But yeah, I've never been locked in like a bathroom before, but I can imagine how scary that would be, and I know it's hot <laughs> as hell in there too. Was the and music? Dark- was the music was there music going on that would be the worst trying to scream over the music no no not not in there it was fairly it was like away from the beach it was like back towards the hotel rooms away from the restaurant and stuff like that so i I just really i I ran good that she happened to be walking by as i was screaming for help oh wow (laughs) 